I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 91 of Thoughts from Meharry Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to talk about common defense. last several months, I've witnessed a complete flip-flop in the political landscape when it comes to federalism and the Tenth Amendment and limiting the federal government. For eight years, Republicans and conservatives, generally the right, complained about Barack Obama, his overreaching power, his refusal to abide by constitutional restraints. Uh, These folks supported uh, virtually everything that the Tenth Amendment Center was working on when it came to limiting federal authority, and there was just a general distrust of Washington, D.C. that the right maintained throughout the Obama administration. But now that Donald Trump is in the Oval Office, things are starting to shift, and all of a sudden, a lot of the same people who were all for limiting federal power and and reigning in Washington, D.C., all of a sudden, they're angry at any effort to rein in something that Donald Trump is doing. Because, you know, Trump is their guy. They like Donald Trump. They want Donald Trump to push his agenda through. So there's no longer any need for constitutional constraints. Republicans control everything, so the Republicans should be able to do whatever they want. On the other hand, the left, who for eight years cheered every unconstitutional overreach that uh, Obama engaged in, now all of a sudden they're talking about the Constitution, and they're talking about federalism, and they're talking about states' rights and limiting federal power. So it's a complete shift in the political landscape, and quite frankly, I find it kind of pathetic. And what you're going to get out of me is the same thing you got out of me over the last eight years. I'm not changing my position because a Republican is in power. Uh, I'm going to continue to stick to our mantra at the Tenth Amendment Center, which is follow the Constitution every issue, every time, no exceptions, no excuses, and no matter who happens to be in power. So, you know, in my my mind, right-wing overreach is just as dangerous and just as bad as left-wing overreach. But when you're partisan and when you're playing the red team, blue team political game, then uh, those types of things uh, become subject to political whim. So I wanted to talk about a a particular constitutional clause today, uh, kind of a constitutional 101 issue. 
And that is what we would call the uh, the general welfare and provide for the common defense clause. Now, I've talked about the general welfare clause uh, on a couple of different occasions. I think I did a podcast on it at one point, and I know I've written several articles about the general welfare clause. And the left uses that clause um, as it's the federal government can do anything and everything clause. Now, the right has generally uh, resisted this. And you know, I'll give you an example. The uh, the general welfare clause is the excuse that is used to justify federal uh, education, and it is the justification for Obamacare. So all of these social programs that the progressives push, they try to say that it's legitimate and constitutional by invoking the general welfare clause. And generally speaking, Republicans resist this this idea. But now we have the Republican version of the general welfare clause, and that is to provide for the common defense. They're using this clause exactly like the progressives use the general welfare clause. They're using it to defend the existence of the TSA, to justify spying on Americans, to make their case for building border walls, and basically just claiming that the federal government can do whatever it needs to do in order to defend America. Now, reading the words provide for the common defense as permission for the feds to do anything and everything uh, destroys the foundation of the Constitution exactly in the same way that the uh, abuse of the general welfare clause does. In fact, these two phrases and concepts are are really tied together. We find the words general welfare and common defense in the two exact same places in the Constitution, in the preamble and in Article 1, Section 8. So the same exact arguments that I've made to explain why the general welfare clause is not a general grant of power also apply to the phrase to provide for a common defense. And really, this is a simple matter of constitutional construction. So in the first place, let's consider the preamble. The preamble in any legal document does not delegate any power. It doesn't confer any authority. All it does is describe generally the purposes of the instrument. So in the case of the Constitution, it tells us that the Union was established to accomplish the general purposes that it outlines. Uh, It provides a basic framework through which we read the document. But again, it does not authorize the federal government to do anything. This is a progressive reading of the Constitution. So when you try to tell me that to provide for a common defense found in the preamble justifies all of these federal activities, you are being a progressive. Now, Article 1, Section 8 delegates specific powers to Congress. And in the first clause of that article, we find, again, the words general welfare and to provide for the common defense. This is exactly what it says. It says, the Congress shall have power to lay and collect taxes, duties, imposts, and excises, to pay the debts and provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States. So does this mean that Congress can tax and spend for any purpose as long as it provides for the common defense and general welfare? No, because there is a list of specific powers that follow. And when you read a legal document, the enumeration of certain powers logically excludes all of the powers that are not listed. There's actually a legal term for this, a legal maxim. It's designato unius est exclusio alterius. 
I think that's how you pronounce it. My Latin's not so great. I dropped out of Latin like after two weeks when I was in college. So, But anyway, that's the basic idea. And what it means is the designation of one is the exclusion of the other. That's and, and that's a fundamental way that you read a legal document. And Alexander Hamilton actually asserted that we should read Article 1, Section 8 in exactly this way. In Federalist Number 83, he wrote, The specification of particulars, that means the 18 enumerated powers of Article 1, Section 8, evidently excludes all pretension to a general legislative authority because an affirmative grant of special powers would be absurd as well as useless if a general authority was intended. In other words, you're not going to waste time making a list of powers if it's all already covered under general welfare and to provide for a common defense. Now, in Federalist 45, James Madison wrote that the powers delegated by the proposed Constitution to the federal government are few and defined. If that is true, we simply cannot take the terms general welfare and common defense to authorize general legislative authority. It's nonsensical. It doesn't make any sense if the federal government is supposed to be limited to say that it can do anything it wants to for general welfare and common defense. Again, it's an absurd position. So, yes, the federal government does have a responsibility to provide for the common defense, but can only do so within the scope of those powers that are delegated. The federal government can declare war, it can support armies, it can provide for a navy, it can grant letters of mark and reprisal, it can call out the militia under certain conditions, but there's nothing, even hinting at a power to create a Department of Homeland Security or to direct the NSA to spy on Americans, much less build a wall or grope me at the airport. The powers of the federal government are strictly limited. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I really appreciate you listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please do me a favor and spread the word. And you're more than welcome to send me any thoughts or ideas to michael.meharry at 10th Amendment And if you have not subscribed to the podcast over at iTunes, you can head over there and do it for free. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.